This episode of the Door County Pulse podcast is brought to you in part by the Door County Community Foundation, inspiring people to give back, to sustain, and advance the community that we love. To learn more, visit givedoorcounty.org. Welcome to the Door County Pulse podcast. I'm Andrew Clyden, and I'm joined today by Miles Danhausen, writer and editor for The Pulse. How's it going, Miles? It's going good, Andrew. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Uh, after our podcasting snafu last week, I realized one thing that didn't make it from our first recording session was uh, was my, my internet story from the beginning. <laughs> so uh, me and my wife moved to greener pastures in Door County, and those pastures happen to have internet availability there. And I, I'm sad to say that I can no longer be the Pulse internet martyr. Uh, I, I will still wave the flag for high-speed internet access in Door County because I think that it is incredibly important, but I unfortunately don't get to be the spokesperson for not having internet anymore. You, you still care about the little people is what you're saying. I do. Now that I'm at the top and I'm looking down, I, I remember the people who, who got me where I am now, and uh, I, I will always still fight for you, but... <laughs> Uh, I want you to know that now uh, now I'm on the other side of the internet fiasco. Um, listeners should know that uh, if you like if you have listened to this podcast a lot, you know Andrew has been fighting this internet battle for a long time. but uh, if you haven't listened a lot, he is very happy about this. this this is probably the first thought on your mind when you wake up in the morning and the last thought when you go to bed is probably the, the speed of your internet. <laughs> yeah, I, I, right when I wake up, I'm like, oh, I, I wake up and I see the sun and I go, oh nice and then I go, oh, but actually. Not so nice because the internet's bad. And then when I go to bed, I'm like, okay, we got a lot of work done today, but man, my internet still is bad. And then I fall asleep. So you're right. It definitely is top of mind. I am pretty stoked <laughs> about it. Um, we've talked about the internet a lot on this podcast and we'll continue to do so, I'm sure, as it continues to be a big issue. Uh, but if you've been listening and many people have sent me internet stuff over the years, just shot me emails. They're like, hey, have you tried this? Or hey, I heard about this. Or thank you for talking about internet. I'm having trouble too. Um, thank you for all of those. If you still want to send me stuff, feel free to because I, I definitely want to stay in the loop on the internet situation up here even though i'm not directly negatively impacted by it any longer um but yeah it's it was a it was a tough journey uh, but now i'm finally over on the other side and i can't wait to watch tv from the future <laughs> um deb fitzgerald uh is doing a lot of reporting on broadband issues and just the, the latest news on where they're going to put towers and also like some new technologies that might be coming our way um in the next couple of years i, I wouldn't say like immediately but yeah, there's still there's new there's some new proposals. So I, I think there's probably going to be a lot more happening over the next six to seven months in terms of both like broadband towers, potential proposal for expanded um, service of, of other um, companies as well. So, right. Uh also, if you want to just send me pictures of your speed to compare now at this point, I'd love to see those because I'm starting to tell people that I have the fastest internet in Door County. So if you want to send me your speeds and we'll compare and, and I'll see if I'm right. That'll be the new thing. Uh, you can you can send me those and I'll report back to everybody. Hey, did you know that in you know Jacksonport they get this speed? Or did you know that over here? And we'll uh, we'll form our own data collection committee. Actually, yeah, you should do that. And and actually, if a lot of listeners sent that in, we could actually start publishing a map of like the typically the fastest speeds. Right. There you go. A, a pulse breakthrough live on the air of the podcast. I would change some property values, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> so why don't we jump into it? We have an Egg Harbor extravaganza. I didn't plan to say <laughs> that, but it just came out. So uh, we're going to talk all about a bunch of things happening down in Egg Harbor right now. Uh, why don't we start 
with the Crest Pavilion. So the Crest opened a couple of years ago, and it it's kind of a in, in a unique situation uh, in terms of how they're funded and how they make their money. And of course, that situation was you know changed a lot this year, as many places have with COVID nineteen. And they are looking at pursuing a referendum for operational expenses. Correct. Walk me through uh, how the Crest kind of makes its money and what they've been dealing with this year, uh, and and why they might be looking at a referendum. Well, when the Crest was built, um, is at a, a roughly seven million dollars uh, to build the facility. Five million of that was um, came from private donations, um, and then one point five from the village. So about six point five million. I'm not sure what the ap- absolute final cost ended up being, but the idea once they built it was okay. We're going to build this, and we can. It won't be a money maker right away. It won't pay for itself right away. But over a couple of years, as it builds business, it will ideally become revenue neutral. And that would be from hosting weddings, events, conferences, special rentals, all, a lot of fees related to that. And essentially, they are a couple of years in now. And in part due to COVID, in part just due to the, uh, the growth and what they've what they've learned that they can and can't charge for. Um, and as their mission has kind of solidified, they're, they're not able, it doesn't look like they're going to be revenue neutral for several years, if at all. Right. So we had talked a little bit before we recorded in terms of like what what solutions businesses might have in terms of generating money. And the the Crest is unique in that they have the option to go to a referendum, whereas like a private business would have to do something like a uh, a donation drive or some sort of capital campaign or something like that. Correct. Are you saying like a like a nonprofit? Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. So a nonprofit would typically do a capital campaign, um, raise a bunch of funds. Usually a capital campaign is used to um, pay for a new facility or things like that. But you might also do something to, to raise funds for operating costs. In Like you said, in this case, as being part of the village, they can go to referendum. So they can go to voters and see if they'll approve a referendum. And they are in talks right now. They haven't um, solidified what that number is going to be, but uh, Village President John Heller said probably looking at something north of $100,000 per year, um, at least for the short term. And that might be, I think they would be looking for a 10-year, about 100000 plus per year referendum. Right. So walk me through kind of the, the difference in terms of its funding. So as as a library, the Crest has government funding, correct? Yeah, the, the library portion of, and I'm not exactly sure how they break it down, but the you have to think of the crest not just as a library and not just as an event space so there's like the it, it's a it is the egg harbor branch of the door county library so it that part of it is under the door county library which is under the county government and the county's budget but then the building and the event space and the events uh and the general manager for that property that that's paid by the village um as part of the crest the, like the building budget. Right. So when would uh, when would a referendum happen for something like this? I think what they would be looking and they haven't they haven't solidified this. They haven't uh, actually put the official question together. Um, but probably April would be my guess is generally that, that something like that would be in the spring election cycle um, where we would have also our local government elections. Um, I did talk to Jess Ranke about this at length and she um she said essentially with covid and this is not surprising at all they went into this year with 31 weddings planned 
Um, and a wedding at the Crest might bring in somewhere between $3,500 and $4,500. So they ended up pulling off six. And six of them at about 50 people each, like a reduced size, um, <clears throat> spacing, masks and everything. So you have like a, a really exceedingly reduced um, revenue stream just from the wedding business. They also do conferences and other things. But that space, because it is like part library, part event center, um, you also have to balance those two needs. So like the library has certain periods of time where it has to be open and people have to access it. So you can't just reserve the place exclusively for a wedding during those times. Right. And the um, you also have, you want to be part community center and have people go up there and use it and and have it available at an affordable rent. So you can't just say, you know, if it's $4,000 for a wedding, you can't also charge 4,000 when like the sustainability group wants to hold a conference there or um, some community group wants to do something upstairs like that. It's not like a flat rental fee that they can charge everybody. They want to have all that. They want the thing to be used. So right. you don't want to charge exorbitant fees and make it unaffordable to your local community and, and organizations. Yeah, it, it sounds like it's a delicate balancing act, especially when you are relying on a, a revenue generator like that, that totally gets wiped out in a year like this, you know, and, yeah. and, and it's not something that you can plan for too. You know what I mean? Uh, so it, it definitely seems like it's one of those things where they, they have a lot of stuff to kind of walk the tightrope on, especially considering that the, you know, it's a big, beautiful building kind of unique in its construction and, and its operation in egg Harbor. Uh, so I, I imagine that just compounds on, you know, it's first couple of years anyway. And then to get hit with the pandemic, like all organizations are getting hit right now, the, that probably doesn't help anything at all. Yeah. And, and the knee jerk might be with the pandemic is you say, well, what's your biggest cost? And almost every business's biggest cost is labor. And you might say, well, maybe they should cut a staff member or um, cut that general manager's position. Well, if you, if you cut that or lay that person off, there's no guarantee you're going to have them next year. Um, and then next year, what you would be trying to do is, all right, we need to do all the weddings we did, we had on, on the board for this year, and hopefully more to generate more revenue right. and start to make up some ground. And you're not going to be able to do that if you cut that position or you go into it and you cut like a halftime position. Now you go in and you're like, all right, we're, we're, we're training somebody while we're trying to pull off our busiest year ever. And that's a, that's a quandary that all the business associations are in so many other nonprofits um, where it's not like you can just, oh, we don't have businesses here. So we're going to cut our executive director and our staff because you can't just you can't retool. I mean, we anybody right. who's run a business or a nonprofit in Door County knows how hard it is to find quality people. Right. Well, and, and just like you said there, so many businesses are running on razor thin staffing as it is right. to say, like, you know, we have three people on staff and they're all essential to, to running the business, there's no one who can be cut. So th that that's not a great place to look uh, a lot of times in Door County in terms of trying to save some money. Yeah. And it is interesting with the, the crest in that um, at the beginning, one of the concerns was, okay, we build this thing and it's great that somebody wants to donate all this money, the $5 million, but how do we fund this going forward? Like, what are we going to be stuck with a money pit? And I wouldn't term the crest as a money pit um, by any means, but just that was a, uh, a caveat brought up early on and village president John Heller said that was one of his concerns when he was before he was village president. And this discussion was about the crest was happening because they originally tore down Lena's sip and chat, the old bar and, and restaurant. And that was going to be the community center. And they were talking about doing something for under a million dollars and they were going to build a new library and community center. 
And that ended up, Lena's, for those who don't know, is located where Hatch Distilling Company is now. The village bought that. I believe it was $350,000. But then the option for this much larger donation to build a much different kind of facility came up and they ran with that. Well, they ended up selling the Lena's property for, I believe, two hundred to 250000 and they actually paid to tear it down. So they actually lost like a hundred and some thousand dollars on the original um, plot of land that they they were going to build this community center on. And then people were worried, like, how are you going to fund this going forward? I think we're going to always be at a deficit. And if we build this, we should know that. And that has come to fruition. And John Heller said, I was one of those skeptics and I was worried about that. But on the flip side, he said, now that we have it, it's worth it in his mind. He's like, it's worth it. This is a great asset to our community. It it is a beautiful place. It's like we're we're so glad it's here. Now we just have to come to grips with pay, that it is going to cost us money every year to to keep it open and, and keep it operating in in the manner that they want to. Right. Well, and I guess that that's that's a good reason to ask the community for support. If yeah. if if you agree in that way and you think that the crest is a a, a great piece of the 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 puzzle in Egg Harbor now, uh, you'll you'll have your chance to weigh in on that when the referendum comes if it does. Moving on to our next Egg Harbor issue. Uh, Parking is something that we've talked about in Egg Harbor for a while. Uh, it seems like it's always kind of bubbling under the surface over there. Uh, we, we've had this discussion before, but it sounds like there have been some updates to, 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 to what's going on over there. So to begin, Miles, why don't you kind of lay the foundation out for us? Tell us what the parking situation is in Egg Harbor and then tell us where we are now. Well, there's been um, controversy. Some would say like going way back Um but definitely in the last few years, as Egg Harbor has become a busier, um, more a- attractive community for tourists, um, that parking has come to become a premium. And um, there are some who would say that Egg Harbor needs a lot more parking. Um, there are also some who don't think it's that big of an issue, but most of the downtown business owners think it is. It has especially come to a head between Main Street Market and One Barrel Brewing Company, where Main Street Market <clears throat> years ago built the... You know, 30 years ago, built Main Street and had to put in a, a pretty large parking lot um, in part because they need it in part because of the zoning rules of the time. And One Barrel Brewing Company built a pretty massive um, tap room. The tap room itself isn't massive, but the grounds are pretty massive. So they, you know, capacity to take two to three hundred people in their indoor and outdoor uh, grounds every day. A lot of that, but they have a very small parking lot. So a lot of their people park in the Main Street parking lot, which obviously upsets them. And that traffic spills over into a lot of the public parking spots and into other parking lots in the town. Um, <clears throat> so Egg Harbor's been grappling with that, but also business picking up in other areas of the town. And if you look at the village, there are a lot of businesses that don't have what you would consider adequate parking. If you built them today, like from scratch and you looked at a lot, you'd say, okay, you're going to have to put a lot of parking in for say shipwrecked or, um, I mean, Fireside has a lot of parking, but like some of those other shops and stuff, they don't actually have parking lots. Right. Um, just cause they're shoehorned in the way Egg Harbor is situated in, in that location. So Casey's restaurant, for example. So you have a lot of businesses that don't have parking that spills out into all the other parking lots and into the public public spaces. Right. So in terms of like a new business, if you build a new business, there is a parking requirement that comes with that, correct? You have to have so many parking spaces per correct. something. Yep. And uh, businesses that are grandfathered in basically don't necessarily have to, to deal with that. But even if you do build a new parking spot and say you need 20 
or you, you build a new building and you need 20 parking spots, but you can only do 15 of them. Uh, there is a way to make up that number with street parking, correct? Yeah. So they have a, a rule in Egg Harbor, and I'm not sure exactly when it was put in, but it allowed, and this was probably a result of back when it wasn't all that bustling and you're trying to encourage development. Sister Bay did a lot of things to relax parking requirements to encourage and allow some places to be built in that community. And you, you saw the same thing in Egg Harbor, and which is great because you do spur that development. Egg Harbor's seen a lot of growth, a lot of new stuff. But then once you get that development, you kind of have to reevaluate your parking policies. And Egg Harbor has been at this for a couple of years. And so far, the only thing that they have decided is to do a... Well, let me clarify. I'll go back to your first question. I was getting away from myself there. They part of that uh, loosening of the parking requirements was a business could, if they didn't, couldn't meet all the parking requirements on their own property, they could count parking spaces on street parking spaces within 500 feet of their business could be counted toward their total. So that presents a couple of, it makes it much easier to build and not use your whole lot for parking, which is good. We don't want to see the entire community paved over, but it does, you know, obviously if you have four or five businesses that are all counting then some of the same spaces, you clearly aren't going to have enough at a certain point once you get enough development. So right. they have to reevaluate that. And there are some people who want them to um, uh, take that rule, that, that loophole off the books. And to this point, they haven't officially done that. So then what are some of the solutions being proposed? We've got a, a tight parking problem in Egg Harbor. Why not just build a parking lot for everybody? Is that a solution or is it more granular than that? I mean, there are people who have suggested things like that, but I think ultimately, you know, it, I don't think it would be, uh, this is a little bit my opinion, but also what I've heard from others and, and like Ryan Heiss was on our podcast once before, like it does it behoove the village to require one barrel to put in a massive parking lot or... Can can you optimize and, and max out the existing parking that you have before you build a big lot? You know, if you drive through Sturgeon Bay, you see a lot of individual businesses that have massive parking lots that sit empty a lot of times. There's a bunch of old department stores, uh, the old Kmart building. You look at the size of those parking lots that are required and it's, um, you know, they might might be full a couple of days a year, but for the most part, they sit at 25 to 50% capacity. Right. So you don't want to do that. You don't want to overbuild. Right? So you take, if you go through Egg Harbor, just like a block away from One Barrel Brewing Company, the Catholic Church has a massive parking lot. And up the hill, one block away in another direction, the town has a big parking lot that they built behind the fire station just for overflow and stuff. Generally gets used on festivals. You also have Church Street, which is one block basically off of maybe two blocks off of Highway 42 that generally right now people just park on the side of that road. Um, sometime in the next couple of years, Egg Harbor will redo that road and make it more complete street with parking spaces marked, sidewalk, lighting, and make it like a fully developed urban street. They've received um, a lot of grant funds, actually. I think Egg Harbor has got about 2.2 to $2.5 million in grants recently to go toward some of their, their highway and parking improvements. So those are not immediate fixes, but that's coming down the road. The more immediate one they've talked about is a eliminating that 500 foot rule, but also putting in a fee in lieu of parking. And what that is, is if you can't, if you're a new business, this wouldn't apply to businesses that already exist because you can't like go back and now make them apply. Like they built under one set of rules. Right. You can't now hold them to a change in rules, but you could, they, they've instituted a fee in lieu of parking that would, if you don't, 
if you can't fit enough parking spots on your lot and you're constrained for specific reasons, you can pay a certain amount per year um, to kind of help offset the fact that you didn't have to build your parking spaces because obviously just building and maintaining them costs money. So the plan commission originally wanted that to be $200 per year per space, but the village approved $50 per year per space. Right. Now, I guess my last question is, uh, why not just a parking garage? Because then you can go up and you don't have to go out. Do you like parking garages? No, not at all. <laughs> I, I feel like that would be the, the worst idea. But uh, think about it. You paint it, you know, you paint it a nice color and then it, it becomes a little attraction. I mean, you could do something. It, it'd be a probably a poor use of land for your tax base. Um to use something downtown for parking versus for a business that would become a much bigger tax revenue generator. But you do bring up a point is like you would probably charge for those spaces, right? You could make the case that Door County Villages, at least in the summertime, should be having metered parking of some sort and charging for their their prime spaces and reserve a certain number for, for handicapped and then just have a nominal fee. I, mean, I, I do wonder what would like even a dollar an hour or 50 cents an hour bring into village coffers in say like sister bay or egg harbor you could even have a locals card maybe that <laughs> that didn't pay or paid less um I, i'm it, i've never heard it really seriously discussed up here but uh, i think it's at least worth thinking about most tourist destinations that i've been to have some sort of parking fee right you would think that that would be just easy money right into the village um and like parking meters have gotten so much more convenient than I'm sure you're even used to. Uh, but like most parking meters, you just download an app, you know, yep. put in your license plate and then dial in the stall that you're at and it will automatically just keep the meter running as long as you need it. You don't have to go to a kiosk. You don't have to put actual money into anything if you don't want to. So I, I could see that maybe being being a potential solution as well. Not that I don't, I don't think either of us are advocating for parking garages or meters or anything, but it is interesting to, to talk about the different solutions moving forward. Yeah, I mean, and what does start to get interesting about that is take take a village like Sister Bay where a lot of the workforce actually lives pretty close to the village. And if you knew parking spaces were limited and you knew that the on-street parking was going to be metered, all those employees would suddenly probably stop driving to work every day and would start just walking down the hill or taking their bike. And that that also, so not only would you get the revenue from the people who wanted to pay for those prime spots, but you would start to ease the burden on your um, your parking supply by locals who have the option of not using their car. Would Like I, I live about a mile from downtown Sister Bay. Um, I do bike in or, or walk in um, fairly often now, but... I would definitely like start parking farther away and or just biking in and walking in more often just to avoid paying that one dollar an hour. Right. Uh, I guess my final my final solution would be some sort of big, huge parking lot or parking garage. You just put it outside of the village a little bit so no one can see it. And then you do like a ski lift to get people from You're floating. Their- yeah. Just put a put watching island ferries, but bigger. Yeah, much you bigger. Just do that, move people in and out, because then you've got the convenience and you've got the parking, and you don't have to look at it, and it, it kind of ticks all the boxes. So <laughs> I think that that would be my solution. Uh, do you have anything else on parking before we get to our last little bit of news? Uh, I think we hit it. I mean, I guess one of the frustrations going on with business owners in Egg Harbor is just the confusion over. Literally, there's confusion over what they've approved and not approved at the plan commission level, where. I actually went back in the minutes just to try and figure out exactly what did they say. And at one point, the plan commission passed a motion to say, all right, we we are passing on to the village board um, a resolution to approve a $200 fee in lieu of parking and also to forward 
all other suggested changes to parking regulations onto the village board. But it doesn't say what those other suggested changes are. Sure. So in some people's minds, they said, or recollection, it was, well, that was, didn't we say we were going to waive the 500 foot um, allowance? And didn't we say we were going to change this? But like, it's not articulated. So it's kind of a poor minutes sort of thing. And that the village should probably clean up a little bit because people are like, I thought that was approved. But it, they, they're, so they're kind of stuck in this like wishy-washy stage with it. So I can see if, if you are pushing for action and your impression was that action was taken, then to see it not actually implemented um, is frustrating. And I actually right. couldn't get a straight answer. Uh, uh, not, not that he was avoiding it, but John Heller didn't know exactly the answer to that question. Yeah, someone's got to take good notes. It's very important. We <laughs> often have discussions where we're like, this would be a great idea. And then nobody takes notes and we forget to do the thing. And that happens in almost any business and at any company. But like having those notes and having those minutes to go, you know, remember, you said you were going to do this by this date. It's important. Right. So our, our last topic of discussion for this week uh, is about a big controversy surrounding a very small plot of land in Egg Harbor. There is an ongoing lawsuit between Shipwrecked and the village of Egg Harbor uh, regarding a kind of a small strip of land right on the side of the building, I guess you would say, as you as you take the road down to like Murphy Park or to the beach. Uh, that portion of Shipwreck's property uh, is is now under some contention. Walk me through what the, the, the portion of the land is being used for and why there's a lawsuit going on about it right now. So the village of Egg Harbor has been working on some street improvements for several years. And one of those is they were due to repave um, County Road G, which um, takes you from the village of Egg Harbor kind of along the water to the public beach toward the Alpine Resort. And as part of that project, they they have a, a off-road path um, a little bit farther down the road from Shipwrecked that goes to the beach but doesn't quite connect to the village. And then they have the sidewalk downtown. Part of this highway reconstruction, this County G reconstruction, um, was to add in and complete that sidewalk and complete it up to that walking path so that people could, pedestrians would have a clear, easy, and safe way to get from downtown to the beach. And also, to sh- to once you do that, you encourage more people to walk versus drive because it's very clear how to do it and it's in a safe way to do it. Um, there To do this, they need to acquire a, I believe it's 0.009 acre parcel of land from the owners of Shipwreck Brewing Company right on the corner there. Shipwreck is shoehorned just snug into that that corner and always has been. Um, when, if you look at older pictures, there, before there was like a patio there, you actually like just drove right up to the front door of it and it was just kind of the road and the um, parking lot all blended into one in front of that building. Right. So with, with a, a plot of land this small, it's almost easier to refer to it in feet rather than acres. Yeah. It's, it's, it's very small. It's about um, 390 square feet, I believe. Right. If I have that right. So the village wants to acquire it in order to complete this road project, make the, the pedestrian crossing safer, connect the sidewalks, all of that kind of stuff. Does Shipwreck currently own that part of the property? They do. So it's owned by Shipwrecked. Doing business, it's under a company called, I think it's pronounced Sojin Homer. Um, so, so tell me why there's a lawsuit going on about this. The village obviously requested the land. Shipwreck says no. Why doesn't it stop there? Well, in some cases, in, a, in an instance like this where it's very small, you might have a, a business might donate the land and just give it to the village to, to do something with to like this. Um, 
in many cases they don't. Um, my grandmother used to own the home on the corner of Highway 42, which is now Fat Louis, I believe. Um, and when they redid the highway in 1990, they um, took by eminent domain a little chunk of her front yard. I think she was compensated probably very minuscule sum back in that day. Um to soften that corner because it used to be a little harsher corner in the middle of Egg Harbor. Well, in this case, the village asked for the shipwreck to donate it. They said, no, understandable. Um, then they offered to buy it and negotiate a purchase price. And this goes back to, I think, the first um, time they were talking about this, about 2016. And their first request to shipwreck was in at, at least as early as January of 2017. So then they made an offer to buy it. Shipwreck said no, so then they can they use the eminent do- domain, condemn the that parcel, so they can they come to a jurisdictional award and they made a jurisdictional offer of thirty eight thousand five hundred dollars for the that little sliver of of land right there. Um, and shipwreck, so technically they don't they don't have to agree with that. So shipwreck sued to stop them from taking that land. Um, the objection being from and I I did reach out to the owners of shipwreck. They said they did not want to comment on ongoing litigation. So much of this is I was not able to get their side of this story, but I would assume that there's it would be something to the effect of like, well, we might lose a patio table at the front of the the business. And over over time, that would generate so much revenue or we could use that sliver of land in some other way. They never have. It's um, always just been a little bit of parking right there. There's a spot for like three parking stalls and then it just sits empty and you see a lot of pedestrians kind of walk into the roadway there as they either go toward the beach or literally come shipwrecked parking lot is a small parking lot behind shipwrecked. Right. So literally to go from the parking lot to the front door, you do have to go down that little sliver of, of land. Right. On one hand, you would think that if the village were to take that property, complete it, put a sidewalk there, whatever, uh, People parking in shipwreck would then have safe access to shipwrecked rather that, than that having would to walk. be. And you could look at it as like the village giving shipwreck a nice new benefit with the both the buried power lines that they plan to do. Um, so it's it's more than just a sidewalk. The village is um, digging up that part of the road to work on utilities as well. Uh, they're going to bury the power lines and and I think do some storm drainage work in that same area. Right. So, yeah, it, it's it's interesting to look at it on both sides of it. Of course, on one end, you, you look at the business, you know, wanting to maintain something that could be, you know, revenue generating, especially right now with people eating outside more. And, and you know, next summer we'll probably have the same amount of increased numbers of people eating outside just in general. Alfresco dining has kind of blown up here just as is. So I could see why a business would want to hold on to that idea. But at the same time, if if you haven't exhausted your options for outdoor seating this year, I, I don't know. I don't know what you're, you're waiting for. I guess. <laughs> so, I, on one hand, if they already had seating there, I could see the argument being stronger. But it, you know, it's kind of up in the air without any comment from them. Uh, but then on the village's side, I mean, you can see the clear benefits to getting a, a piece of land like that in order to complete this project. Um, when we talked to Ryan Heise on the podcast, he talked about having this kind of, you know, this this perfect ideal of a, a kind of more urban town where people can commute, you know, they can walk, they can bike, everything's connected. Uh, you know, a big portion of Egg Harbor is Murphy Park and the beach and that kind of stuff, but they do feel very separate from the village right. as it stands right now. So being able to complete that walkability and expand it in that way is obviously highly desirable for the village. So uh, I can see there being a lot of passions in this one from both sides. It'll be interesting to see how it shakes out. 
And that corner has been a an issue for the village as long as I've been alive, grown up there, running around. They, they at one point the the dock, uh, the road down to the dock was in a different location, um, kind of to the right of the chocolate chicken. It was just a straight shot down. They moved that to take it off the directly off of Highway 42, so you weren't the marina traffic and boat traffic wasn't like going right onto the highway. Um, that bend is it's tough to navigate if you're coming off of County G to get onto the highway. It's kind of tough to make a left turn there a lot of times. Um, and there's also the crosswalk situation is a little wonky there. It is kind of a pedestrian headache, and they're trying to solve a lot of those issues. I mean, I just this fall a few times. My my parents live in Egg Harbor, so I went for walks with my mom who is nearing 80 and um, going down to that off-road path. And it does get hairy when you're walking with someone like that to try and navigate when you have traffic going both ways on G and they're not necessarily paying attention looking for pedestrians because they're navigating a difficult intersection. So I can definitely see why the village would want to improve that. Um, And throughout the years, like I said, with um, properties I was familiar with and other businesses have given up chunks of their property either through donations or by being reimbursed, I would say probably almost every case probably reimbursed um, to try and make that that road safer in many different parts of the town. So it's, right. not, it's not an uncommon thing for to happen in the in the course of um, doing a highway project. This Gibraltar school gave up a, a sold a chunk of property. I believe it was about twenty thousand dollars. I might have that wrong. Um, it's twenty thousand or two hundred. That's a big gap. So don't. Yeah, don't take my number for somewhere it. between those two. Gibraltar schools had to <clears throat> sell some property to the town of um, or to the DOT um, as part of the reconstruction project in front of the auditorium. And uh, years ago, the auditorium used to have trees planted all around that corner, and they had to cut all those down as like a site line of sight. And also now they would be taken up by the sidewalk there. So not uncommon at all for something like this to take place in the course of construction. Right. Well, either way, uh, the good news is, as we all know, lawsuits move very quickly. So we should know more about this very soon. Um, and this one, actually, we will know more on November 24th. I don't know that that means that's going to be the final. It might go to appeals and things like that. Um, but the they do have a hearing on November 24th, and maybe we'd have a, a result there. It basically hinges on, in a weird way, the definition of a sidewalk versus the pedestrian path. And of course, so because it always does. <laughs> it's like <clears throat> it is such a weird nuance in the law. Like <clears throat> there is state legislation that says something to the effect of you can condemn property and for for roadway and for highway usage, but not for pedestrian pass. And the village defines this as a sidewalk, which under certain parts of state language is considered part of the highway and part of the roadway. Um, the, you cannot take by eminent domain property for a pedestrian way or a a pedestrian path. So like they're connecting a sidewalk to a pedestrian path. So the village is saying, we are taking this for a sidewalk. Shipwrecked is arguing that they are trying to take it for a pedestrian path and they should not be allowed to do that. The village is also saying it's not just a sidewalk. We also need to do this for other purposes of the highway for um, the utilities and buried power lines, things like that. So it's a, it gets, it's a crazy weird nuance in language. Right. Well, I guess that we will, uh, we'll follow this and, and we'll have the update as soon as it comes out. Uh, Miles, is there anything else, Egg Harbor or otherwise, that people need to know about this week before we wrap up? 
Well, there's a lot they need to know, but there's not a lot we need to get into well, <laughs> on this say, podcast. What do, you, what do you got in your brain for for today? Uh, as we're you know wrapping up two papers in one week <laughs> to to get our Thanksgiving issue out, uh, do you have any space left in there for for anything? Not much. <laughs> so with that, why don't we wrap up? Uh, we will have an episode for you next week. I know most people are going to be celebrating the holidays, whether that means, you know, over Zoom or in a in a different way than you're used to. Uh, but we will have an episode for you next week. It should be a pretty good one as well. Uh, it may be at a different time than normal just because of, you know, when we sit down to record it, when we're able to get it up. But uh, you should be able to enjoy that when it comes out. Uh, with that, thank you so much for listening. Uh, Miles, thank you for chatting. And we will see you again next week. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you so much for listening to the Door County Pulse podcast. If you want to support us at The Pulse, check out doorcountypulse.com shop where you can get a weekly Pulse subscription, purchase some incredible Door County artwork from Pulse artist Ryan Miller, and much more. We hope you've enjoyed the Door County Pulse podcast, and we will see you next time. <laughs>